Jesus, we worship you. We thank you for all that you have done. Lord, thank you for the service so far of reminding us, bringing us back to the very reason why the church exists. It's all you. And Lord, it's your name by which we might have on our lips when we come to church on a Sunday morning. But Lord, you're calling us to have your name at the front of our lips whenever we go out through our workplace, um, in our play, to our neighbours, at home. Lord, would you speak to us this morning? Would you encourage us this morning as we um, embrace your word and we say, Holy Spirit, encourage us, lift us up, realign our thoughts so that we can honour you in all that we do and all that we say. Lord, I pray for everyone listening to this message in this church and online, Lord, that if they don't know your name, and they don't proclaim it as a person who has rescued them, as the person who has given them eternal life, as their Lord and as their Saviour. Lord, that today is the day that they can become a child of God. So Lord, I thank you for the opportunity right now. Amen. So today's title that I picked for us is Grow Up. Now, we could be a little bit concerned about this. You could, oh, hang on a minute, Tim's going to come out and say, Grow Up! Could be. Maybe that's what you're going to hear this morning. It could be, hey, come and grow up. Come and be a part of what God is calling you to this morning. Um, I'm not sure if you have experienced this. My hunch is that you probably have. For some of you, this might be very familiar to you and a lot closer to home than what you might like to admit. But who's been to a shopping centre and in the middle of Woolworths, you're going down the aisle and about four aisles down, you hear a commotion. And you, this commotion is a three-year-old getting upset that they are not getting that thing that they decided right there and then that they have been waiting their entire life for that $3 toy and the world is going to explode if they don't get it right now. Has anyone ever experienced that? Happens to walk past awkwardly, sees the child lying down on the ground, <laughs> going crazy. And mum is either in fight or flight mode and you don't know which way he's going to go and it's awkward and you feel embarrassed. If it's dad, it's probably just flight. <laughs> but, but, but in that process, the child is having a bit of an epic tantrum of excellent proportions. Um, imagine if you were those three aisles down and you're hearing this tantrum but it's not a three-year-old that you're hearing. It's the sound of a deep voice of a 52-year-old on the floor having a big tantrum because he's not getting what he wants. Would that change the picture completely? It would, wouldn't it? You'd be like, something's really wrong. Either out of concern, this person obviously has 
special needs and needs to be addressed and encouraged. Or it could be, mate, a little bit inappropriate. Uh, it's, it's not what you do. You, you need to grow up. Um, it, it would be completely different based on their age. Or a bit like this guy on the screen. Um, looks like he's having a heap of fun and it's fantastic. But it's not what you would characterise as being the norm for a person at work on business, would it? It's someone who is out of character for what you would expect of a 52-year-old. He's looking like quite an old 52-year-old, I guess, but um, a 52-year-old all the same. And this week, we want to be having a look at what does it mean to grow up when you are a child of God? And um, when we become a child of God or become a Christian, um, Luke was just so um, beautifully shared that with us in communion. Salvation, it's not, it's not just like a, like a thing or an implement, is it? It's not a trophy. It's not a little cross which we put around our necklace and go, well, I've got my Christian, I've got my Christianity. Fantastic. I'll put that on display right there. How good is it? Christianity. I got it. All right. What's next? Christianity isn't an, a thing which we just have or we hold. Or even Christianity isn't just something that I, I've got it. I'm going to wear that so everyone can see I've got Christianity. That sounds better. You know, everyone can see that I've got Christianity, but salvation and Christianity is not a thing. You see, salvation is a product that comes from becoming a child of God. John chapter 1, verses 12 to 13 says, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Many times being a Christian is recognised in society of a belief or an existence of God, or even doing something like going to church, or being baptised, or getting done when you're a child. Well, that must make you a Christian. It's something that you do. I've got my trophy. I'll go to church at particular times as long as I sort of just meet the status quo. I'm done. It's like a trophy, putting it on the wall. But it's much more than that, isn't it? Being a Christian is to become a child of God. We're going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 4 today. So if you've got your Bibles, I'd love for you to come and read along. It's also going to be on the screen um, above as well. Let's read, and we're going to start off by reading Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. <clears throat> it says this, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith 
and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown around by every wind of new teaching, and we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way to be more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Here in Ephesians, we've got been given a description of how to recognize someone as an immature child of God and one who is growing up or becoming mature in their relationship with God. When do we reach full maturity, by the way? Is it once we've been to church at least 48 of the 52 weeks of the year? No. Is it... Oh, 10 years of being a Christian, then you're mature. Now, it says, until we are with Christ. I love it. Our growing is going to start from as soon as we become a child of God and we continue to grow until we see the fullness of his glory in heaven. So that means this message of growing up is for all of us. It's not for a brand new Christian It's for every Christian. God does not want for us to remain stagnant, and he especially doesn't want us to remain as babies. He wants us to grow up. So how do we use Ephesians 4 as a place of understanding how we might grow up? There's there's three points which I'm going to um, pull out, and then I'll redo those three points in a new perspective. The first point is that we um, can grow up, we we are required to grow up in a safe place with people to train and equip you. If you look at verses 11 to 13, we see that God has given gifts um, to the church, apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. They're the ones which are revealing the word of God. What God has for you, what God has done already for you, and what God wants you to be doing right now. God has given people to train and equip you. And those people have been given the responsibility to equip you to do God's work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. That's a very weighty part of Scripture for me to be reading out at the moment to you as one of the pastors of Raymond Terrace Community Church. God has given the pastoral team here the responsibility to be equipping you to be growing up. It's not our job to create 
a positive vibe where Raymond Terrace Community Church is the best, most excellent place to come each Sunday. It's to build you up in Christ. It's not Sunday worship. It's everyday worship. That's the first place, is he has given you a safe place. And that means the church. That means that we have been given a responsibility, the leaders of this church, to be equipping those who would call this their local church home. God is calling us to be reaching out to all who are here today, um, who couldn't make it today, to those who are watching online, to be encouraging you. Now, God will also use pastors and leaders from other churches as God has used people in our church to be encouraging other local churches as well. But the primary responsibility is for us to be equipping this local church and giving every opportunity for you to grow up. So pray for us. Because that responsibility on us is not just me or Chris or Luke or Matt or Aaron to come out and go, this is what you need to do. It's actually saying, watch what we are doing and learn from us. And we want to show you by what we are doing and also how we can assist you to be doing as well. That's what equipping is. So the first point in Ephesians 4, what it means to grow up is to be growing up in a safe place. That means be belonging to a local church and to have leadership to train and equip you to be a good example in your life. The second point is is that um, to grow up is to grow up with others around you under Christ. You need to be belonging to a local church so that you've got other believers all around you who are also going through being a family of God together, learning and growing together. Brothers and sisters from all walks of life in a safe place with people to nurture you and to guide you to be learning how to discern truth from lies. I find it interesting that um, that part where he's talking about truth and lies isn't just limited to coming under the leadership of um, those um, people, the, the pastors, the teachers, the apostles, and the prophets. It's actually amongst being amongst other Christians to help you to discern truth. I've been watching The Block with Lindor. I don't know whether there's any other blockheads here, um, but um, I really enjoy watching The Block. Um, but I must admit, there are certain areas of The Block which is driving me crazy the more and more we watch it over the years. Um, and we're still a few weeks away from the final auction. It's all been on record for us. So there's not going to be any spoiler alerts from me for you today. And don't tell me who wins or anything like that because we haven't found out yet. But it's been interesting to watch the dynamics of each group on the block. If you don't know what the block is, it's a, it's a show on TV where they're given um, rundown houses or apartments. And the job is it's a game of a certain amount of contestants. This year, it's five contestants to be building the best house. 
and, and it's judged every week to be able to see who's going to have the best. And then at the end, there's an auction, and any um, price they get over the reserve, then that goes to them. So it's part of the big competition. And it's been interesting watching, though, this year of the dynamics of how each group is playing the game against each other. And even more so, the emotional toll it can have on the contestants, particularly those who are caught out doing the wrong thing and are unable to be avoiding being called on it. Why is it that they're unable to avoid being called on it? They're living together 24-7 and you can't escape. So that sounds like a negative, doesn't it? But it's actually interesting that if we were to uh, continue to go along and it's like no one likes being called out for doing something that's not right, yet we've also seen a slow transition, at least I have so far, of those who have been doing the wrong thing and being called out starting to learn and go, this is not a good idea. I need to stop doing this behaviour. And then we see them go and do it again. And it's yet another reminder, we shouldn't be doing this. It's not a good idea. It doesn't go well. We see a whole gamut of drama and emotion, which is just dollar signs for a producer of a TV show. But it's also interesting from the outside in looking at the dynamics of a group of people having to learn how to work together. They're accountable to one another because they're all racing to win the prize. That would be an amazing analogy, wouldn't it? Especially when you heard me say win the prize. For those who have been in the church for a while, that sparks something in your head. You know, run the race to win the prize which God's called you to. And it could be a great analogy for the church, except there's one glaringly big problem. They're only there to win the prize. That is to get stuff. It's to get the trophy. That are not there because of the relationship. And that's the key to a worldly idea of working together for the common good versus the church's call to work together for the glory of God. Resting on God's grace and Holy Spirit power to be changing us from the inside out and to be more like Jesus, to be growing in maturity in our faith. And as we do that, we should be able to deal with people's differences better and better. But to do that, you need to be together. God has intentionally given us the church to be doing this. Some of us don't like that. And for some of us, they go, well, actually, I don't want to do that. It's easier for me to not go to church because then I don't have to talk to Tim. I want to be really blunt. That's probably been something which has been on your minds at times over the years in this church. It might be some even listening online now. I'm not wanting to say things to offend, but we're wanting to be able to see that Jesus was intentional when he gave us the church because he is wanting us together to be realising that by working together, we are called to be able to understand more and more, to be stripping away all 
that is preventing us to run the race. And then as we do that, we have a part of encouraging our brothers and sisters in helping them to discern truth, in helping them to not believe the lies of the devil, and for us together to be an example to the world, which goes, why would you do that? Why would you invest in other people when it's annoying? Why wouldn't you just leave? Well, if it's all about a trophy, just leave. You've got the trophy on the shelf. You've got salvation. But it's not. God has called us to be children of God and living together with our brothers and sisters to be able to grow and more and more encourage one another to grow in maturity to be able to become more like Jesus. And to do that, you need to be part of the local church. It's not easy, but it's worth it. And you know what? Just like on the block... And just like many of the more mature ones here this morning at Ramonty, helping them this morning. What can I be doing when I see them going through that? What's what my role to play in how to help them? It becomes a joy to be doing that. So that's the second one. The third um, point would be to grow up knowing that you play a part in the family of God. Verse 16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other's parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. God, in his sovereignty, has made it important for us to know that if Christianity is not just putting a trophy on the shelf, if, if, you're, if you're doing that, you're letting down your brothers and sisters in the local church who need you there to be helping them. As much as by you being there, they are going to be helping you. It's more than, oh, here comes Tim or Jody asking, can you go on the canteen morning tea serving roster for the next three months? Oh, that's annoying. It means I have to get up another half an hour earlier. No, I'm going to have a break. It's more than that. It's going, it, it takes sacrifice, but how am I making this a place for someone when they come, they can have that sila and a time of peace and a chance to be able to talk to someone before church starts so that they are in a right place that as soon as the first note in music is being played, they're already having their eyes aligned to go, I am here to worship the king. And I'm here with my brothers and sisters to all worship the king together. Because it's not about me, it's about Jesus. And being able to serve one another, whether it's morning tea, whether it's on welcoming, whether it's cleaning the church, or whether even more importantly, the growing into maturity is exactly what Matt has just been sharing with us this morning, of going, the purpose today is to be going, all right, strategy. How, how are we going to be praying for George this week that I might have an opportunity to be able to invite him to this next event that the church is going to be hosting so that they can meet my brothers and sisters and they can see 
that Jesus is real because this whole church thing is just weird. No one does that. No one just gets together for the heck of it. They always have a purpose. The church's purpose is Jesus. It's not a club. It's not just a means of you connecting and getting what you want out of it. It's actually investment into Almighty God and growing together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And you have the opportunity of bringing George to meet your brothers and sisters at this place and you're praying with others intentionally going, how can I be connecting this person with this person? And then you get there and you actually find five others go, hey, George, it's nice to meet you. I've, I've heard about you from Matt and I want to say welcome. Including and seeing the church grow by being specific with brothers and sisters together to be playing a part in the family of God. So whether it is serving practically so that that can happen or whether it is intentionally going and, and equipping to know how do we go about doing that. And so that's the next part. Um, Pete Bryan mentioned to me in core group this week saying, um, you know, when we're going through Ephesians and we're going to be looking at the next part of Ephesians shortly, the question was, how do we teach a child to grow up? Do we just say, grow up? Oh, the child's grown up now. Doesn't happen like that, does it? Takes time. Takes modelling. Takes extreme patience from those around. But it's also intentionality of that child being shown how to do things, to be equipped and to be able to mature. So we're going to be looking more specifically of exactly how do we grow up, again, from Ephesians. How do we equip and train? We need to share with the children and we need to model it. The beginning of this passage makes it clear that Christ has appointed um, God's people to be teachers, equippers in the local church. And that's what we're saying here. We've got elected officials or elected people, the elders. And further down the track in the new year, we'll be talking more about roles of deacons and, and how that all works and plays in our church and having leaders in our church. And they are there to be equipping and to showing how to mature our faith in God. Um, there might be people that you know who they might not hold an office, but they are leaders in your life. You need to watch them, observe them, ask them questions. Realise they're not Jesus, they're growing as well. But they are modelling how they're not Jesus. And they love Jesus and want to point you through them to him also. We need to trust those people. We need to be asking them for advice. We need to be seeking them for their prayer. And that's why leadership exists in the church, is to be able to be that place of wisdom and integrity, and also to be able to be really clear, they're not God. We're pointing towards a holy God, and we want to guide and point you towards a holy God as well. So that was the, the first point. Again, there are three points, but the three exact same points, but in different ways. So the first one is we have leaders in the church to be able to help and equip. The second one was being amongst brothers and sisters. Again, we talked about that. 
And as mentioned earlier, we're not alone. Christ is our ultimate equipper. He gave us the church to help one another. Now, the best way to stagnate Christian growth, in my opinion, if you never thought about it, I'd invite you to think about it now as I'm speaking, um, is sadly to see um, attendance or fellowship with other believers to become stagnate. The more you are away from brothers and sisters in Christ, the easier it becomes to become anemic in your faith in God yourself. It's just the way it happens. Whether it has been people in our own fellowship, just spending less and less time with other believers, finding yourselves busy to be doing other things on a Sunday rather than choosing to be here, which is the one dedicated time for us to all gather, going, I've got other things to do, going core groups, I could go, but, you know, yeah. Choosing to be with other believers and having that happen helps you in your walk in Christ and it moves you towards maturity. Moving away or avoiding those things creates a stagnation. It, it's not helping. Now, does that mean that you can't be a Christian if you don't go to church? No. We talked about this a few weeks ago when we were talking about the church as a whole or the church universal, the, the whole church of believers in Christ and the local church. You can still be a child of God, but you need to get some fat on you. You're, you're skinny. <laughs> you're, you're missing out on all the great nutrients that help you to be healthy and to be able to be growing. Or even worse, you've been there and you're so desperate and you're so hungry, you're going to eat any junk food that you can get. You'll eat anything. But it's pulling you more and more away from how God is wanting you to draw you into being the person he has called you to be. And then one day you look at yourself and you go, how did I get here? I want to encourage you, if you are struggling with being with other believers, hang in there. The church is there to help you to grow, to help you to mature. And God wants to use you to be helping others to grow and mature. He speaks clearly that the, the, the whole body fits together perfectly. Each part does its own special work and helps the other parts grow. You are valuable in this church. And we need The last part is um, a little bit more specific because, you know, I've talked about, you know, be, be the church, be equipped, do stuff together, grow. God wants you to grow. That's fantastic. But some of us might still be here going, yeah, but what does that really look like? How do I make that work? It's a little bit vague. It's a bit, you know, the vibe of what church is. But what does it really mean to grow and mature in Christ? I'm, I'm so glad that Paul knew that that would be the case. And as a good leader and equipper does, he then leads them into saying, here are some 
good examples or pointers on what you should do. And so let's keep reading Ephesians 4 and starting at verse 17. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they're hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness and they wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that is not what you have learnt about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and learnt the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So, stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbours the truth, for we're all parts of the same body. Don't let sin, or don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down whilst you're still still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul and abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you'll be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behaviour. Instead, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. And I love this, again, it's being modelled just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Some people in this room might find this reasonably familiar. It's not because they just read it recently, but because to the Word this week was looking at Colossians. And Colossians chapter 3 deals straight away with this sort of stuff, of practical means of what it means to be growing as a Christian, what to get rid of, what to be focused on. And it goes even further. It talks about sexuality, talks about um, drunkenness, talks about all sorts of other things. This is not a new direction that Paul's giving. He's consistent in his teaching to all the churches. He's giving practical advice on what looks different from an immature Christian to someone who is becoming mature. Again, as core group on Thursday, we um, want, well, we're making it pretty clear that there is a comparison from acting as a child to being more mature in our relationship with God in those passages or in that section of Ephesians 4. But here's the danger. And I want us to be, I guess, 
careful and be warned about. It's easy. It's very easy for a Christian, especially a Christian who's been a Christian for a long time, to look at this section of Scripture and separate it from the bit beforehand. You know, because while we know that that, that is wisdom, all that stuff that we just read out then, this is, do not steal. <laughs> it's wisdom. <laughs> it's good stuff. Don't use abusive or foul language. It's wisdom. It's good stuff. You know, it will create a better you. People will like you better. No surprise, because it's in the Bible, it's godly wisdom. But if we take Ephesians 4 out of the context of the gospel, of what Jesus has done for you, then you are doing this to try and make yourself a better person rather than being a reflection of whose family you belong to. And that is the key. It's the difference of salvation being a trophy on a shelf to being your identity as a child of God who is growing and Jesus is your king. Those who just focus on the rules, do this, don't do this, becomes legalistic. But those who do this, don't do this, and encouraging their brothers and sisters, hey, why are we doing this? Is that the best thing for you? How can we improve on that together? Oh, I don't need someone to tell me that. Well, actually, I do need someone to tell me that. But I don't want you to tell me to do that. Well, God placed your brother and sister there to be able to encourage you to know that that's what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Why? Because you made a decision to make Jesus your Lord and King. Christianity isn't a trophy just on the bookshelf. It's your identity. It's who you are. The very next couple of verses in Ephesians 5, Paul nails it by writing this. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. A life, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So why do we do these things, make decisions to um, not do this and then to do this instead? We want to be a pleasing aroma to God. We do this because it, it, it pleases God. It pleases our heavenly dad when his children are listening and learning and being obedient. And then because of that, they're growing up and they are thriving as being one of his children. I was reminded late this week, listening to a podcast um, with um, John Piper. And a lot of you will have known this. His motto is, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. That's the key to growing up. God is most glorified in us in what we do when we are most satisfied in him. We do these things and don't do those things because we are satisfied with what God has given us. Life, love, 
and hope. So therefore, we want to gather together with our brothers and sisters because we all share that together. We want to remind each other to look up and see where our hope comes from. We want to live the life together and life in all of its fullness because we are being made to be more like the image of his son, Jesus. This is the key to growing up. The key is your love of Jesus, having him in that Ephesians 4 passage as the head of the body, the one who is teaching and his thoughtfulness moving down into the body to do the will of God. Now, it's fruit really, isn't it? It becomes habit and it's good spiritual fruit. And Jesus, and this is where I'm going to finish off, so I'm going to invite the the music team if they want to come out um, ready to lead us um, in, in the final song. Jesus himself highlights and models this passage himself in Mark 10, verses 17 to 24. So will you read this with me? I'm going to invite you to stand as I read this. Mark chapter 10. As Jesus was starting his way out to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. You need to honour your mother and father. And you can see this person who's run up to him pulling out his trophy off the shelf and going, Teacher, I have obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, read this, Jesus felt genuine love for him. I want you to hear that this morning in your life. There's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. A good teacher says it in a nutshell. The good teacher is the head of the body. The good teacher is the Messiah. The good teacher is the one who came to earth as a baby and grew up equipping and training his disciples with a purpose to pay the punishment of sin for all who call on his name in, um, for repentance and to make a decision to follow him for the rest of their life. To follow him. God is most glorified when we're most satisfied in him. We said before, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore. If we want to grow up in maturity, it's to be able to have his name on our lips. It's to be able to be thinking through, how does Jesus want me to live? And Jesus has called us to be reminding each other day by day, growing up in maturity, learning from one another, serving one another, being a light to the whole community of going, this weirdness which is called the church of God, They love one another as they love Jesus. And we want them to all come and say, taste and see that God is good. Do you believe that? That's our mission. That's why we are here as the local church. It's not just to be here and to enjoy a good service. It's to remind each other that we're called to grow up 
and to become more mature in our faith and to come and show that to the world that they go, I want to be part of this family. I want to be part of what God is doing in their lives and then fully come to the awareness and hear the Holy Spirit prompting them and decide to follow him themselves. It's time for you and I to eat well. It's time for you and I to listen to good leadership, to walk together in the body of Christ, to look after our bodies and to grow up. Jesus, thank you for not leaving us to work this out ourselves. Thank you for the practical part of Scripture reminding us that it's the name of Jesus above all other names. Thank you for reminding us that the reason why the church exists is because of what you've done. And you have given us the church to grow up together in your family, to be more like you, so that this world can see that you are Lord. This Christmas, Lord, we yearn for those in our community who don't know you yet. And Lord, my prayer is for anyone standing here this morning who has never themselves said, I need to stop thinking of Christianity as just a trophy, but it's about a calling to become a child of God for all who believe. And that today might be their day where they say, today I choose to follow after you to be a child of God. Lord, may we see revival in Raymond Terrace. May we see multiple people coming to know you as their Lord and Saviour because we are intentional together and working together so that more people would know you and your love. We want to declare it from the mountaintops. We want to declare it from the slums. Jesus, you are King. Jesus, you love us. And you want us to work together in unity to be able to grow up more and more until that final day where we are with you in glory. Amen.